sit, talk about convenience. I can be sitting in my car. How about cars? I can be sitting in my car and I can be surfing the net, talking to a net. Now, not while I'm driving, while I'm sitting in line at McDonald's. Getting my food, which is being prepared for me and will be delivered through my window. Now, here's another amazing thing. And I got to experience this this last week. Annette and I got to travel at some meetings up in Nashville. And so we we get on an airplane. How's that for convenience? Now, I don't know if you've thought about lately how amazing of we got to partake in the miracle of flight. I mean, think about it. I love one comedian goes, you know what? You're sitting in a chair in space. He said, everybody should get on an airplane and just say, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. And I had that thought while I was on the airplane thinking I should just stand up and say, oh, my goodness. Isn't this amazing? We get to fly. And people would have looked at me like, all right, this guy, terrorist, you know, somebody take him down. But I was sitting there thinking about it going, I'm sitting in a chair at 34,000 feet, going about 1,000 miles an hour. I don't know how fast we were going. It just seemed really fast. And I'm sipping a Diet Coke with a cut lime in it. And I can go on go-go in flight and surf the Internet. And while I'm surfing the Internet, I can take my iPad out. And I can write in my journal. I can read another book. I can write a book if I want to. All for convenience sake. Are we not a convenient society? I mean, my goodness, we pull up to a drive-in window and it takes more than 30 seconds. We're getting upset about it. What? Oh, come on, seriously. Do they not know how important my time is? Do you not remember that there was a time when you would have to go out and kill the chicken? Pluck the chicken. Prepare the chicken. Then you had to get a pot. Then you had to boil the water. I mean, come on. Then you had to go cut a tree down to get the wood to burn. Listen, life has become convenient, has it not? We are people of convenience. And we like things quick. We like things easy. We like things fast. And when it doesn't happen, oh, the spirit of entitlement rises up. And I cannot believe this. I get a kick out of being in airports because talk about a place of convenience. I mean, we got, do you remember suitcases, suitcases that you actually had to carry? Does anybody remember those? I actually saw a guy in the airport carrying a regular suitcase. And my first thought was, oh, my gosh, where has he been? As I'm walking behind him with my wheels and my, you know, I've got my bag. I'm just like cruising along. No big deal. No effort whatsoever. And this poor guy is having to carry his own suitcase. See, we are a people of convenience, and now we expect convenience. You know what my big concern, though, about convenience is? God, I keep thinking of these things that are convenient. What about an ATM? Anywhere in the world, as long as you've got some money in the bank, <laughs> it doesn't work unless you've made some deposits. But as long as you can actually remember your PIN number, which I can't, then anywhere in the world that you're stranded, you can find... We were in Jerusalem, 2005. And we needed some cash. In Jerusalem. And 
I thought we're going to have to, you know, there's not like there's a 7-Eleven in Jerusalem. So we needed cash. Well, we're in old city Jerusalem. I'm talking about ancient Jerusalem, the original. And we round a corner and there is an ATM machine in ancient Jerusalem. And because Annette actually can remember our PIN number, we were able to get cash out of our bank in Abilene in Jerusalem. I mean, folks, come on, seriously. Here's my concern, though. My concern is that we take this convenience and then we now begin to superimpose it into our walk with God into our life of faith, into our spirituality. And we somehow think that just because you can dial a phone by talking to it, or we somehow think that you don't need cash anymore because we have these. I Actually, this is so cool. I can actually go up to Starbucks with my phone. I don't have to have my billfold anymore. All I have to have is my code. They will scan my phone and I can get my non-fat double tall vanilla latte. Just with my phone. Plane tickets can now be scanned on your phone. Annette, who is a shopper, can now, her coupons come over the internet now. And when we're at a store, she can, they can scan her phone and she'll get her coupons credited. But again, my biggest concern is that because life is becoming so convenient, things are getting to be so easy that literally you could almost live your life and do your entire life from your living room these days. And no need to even go out. Unfortunately, some people are taking that opportunity. I want to give you a couple of definitions. And I want to say something about all this, this convenience. All this is well and good. But in a, you can even schedule your birth now. I mean, really, we're going to have a baby on this day. And I'm like, well, you know, if things work, you know. No, no, no. We're having a baby on this day. Actually, it's scheduled. Really? Yeah, we can schedule babies to be birthed. And major life events can get scheduled in the palm of your hand in your phone. Well, let me pull out my calendar. I, anybody remember a daytimer? Do you remember what a daytimer is? It's actually, I know some of you have never seen one. It's, it's actually a seven-ring binder that has paper in it. And you have to take a pen. You know what a pen is? A pen's like a stylus, but it actually it leaks stuff out so you can write with it. It's amazing. It's a great instrument. But, and then you had to actually write things in it. And then if the date changed, you had to mark it out. <laughs> I know, weird, huh? No delete button in the daytimer. The problem with all of this inconvenience is this. The gospel of the kingdom of God is not convenient. That even though our world appears to be getting easier to live in. Anyone ever heard of microwave ovens? Microwave popcorn, one of my favorites. The world has gotten easier. Everything has gotten quicker. Wait time has been shortened and cut and shortened and cut to the point where you can live three lifetimes in a week. What used to take people days, months, even years to do can be done instantaneously. Anyone ever heard of this little thing called Google or Yahoo? 
Google is my friend. Google is Annette's friend. Anytime we're out anywhere and somebody needs a factoid, before we can finish the sentence, Annette is already on her phone and Googling it. And she'll tell you, she'll have the fact ready for you. We live in a world where now information is literally at our fingertips at all times. Things have gotten more convenient. But the problem is, and the issue is, that the kingdom of God is everything but convenient. Are you hearing me, church? The kingdom of God, the things of God, the things of following Jesus, the walk of faith is everything but convenient. And I don't know about you, but I think we need to define some terms. Look at the word convenient. I'll have it up on the screen there. The word convenient means well-suited with respect to ease of use. Favorable, easy, or comfortable for use. At hand, easily accessible. By the way, I have my Bible on my phone. It's gotten to the point where when I study now, I have my iPad, my laptop, sometimes a Nets laptop because I've got several programs up at the same time. And there are times when I don't even crack my actual Bible when I'm studying the Bible, because it's all now handy and right here on my phone. Everything is convenient, at hand, easily accessible. Here's another definition, and this is the definition of inconvenient, and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few days or next few weeks, when the gospel actually interrupts your plans. Your life plans. The word inconvenient means not easily accessible or at hand. Causing trouble, difficulty, or discomfort. You mean the gospel can actually cause trouble? Do you know the Bible says this? That those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yes, it can cause trouble. You mean following Jesus could be difficult? Yes, people today are losing their lives for the gospel's sake. People today are imprisoned for the gospel's sake. People today are dying for the gospel's sake. You mean to tell me that this could be uncomfortable? Yes, throughout this series, you're probably going to be uncomfortable in there, in here. And that's on purpose. But we want you to understand that to follow Christ As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Jesus bids a man come and die. When Jesus calls, he bids us to come and die. It means literally laying our life down. Randall, can you pull up that picture of of that church in Japan? This is a picture of a church. Uh, Claire brought this to me this morning. This church met just a few hours ago, obviously with the time difference, in a little town, is it called Mito? Did I get that right? Claire said that that this little town was very close to the epicenter and, again, just yet another part of the devastation of the tsunami and the floods and everything that's happened, the earthquake. And this church, literally all roads and access to this community were cut off and destroyed. In other words, you couldn't drive in, you couldn't drive out. She She sent me this picture. Somebody from that church sent this picture to her. A few hours ago, this is who showed up to worship in spite of the fact that they couldn't even get there by the way they've always gotten there. They had to overcome a lot of obstacles just to be right there doing what they're doing. It's not always convenient. 
It's not always easy. Sometimes it is difficult. And sometimes your car keys, it doesn't matter if it works or not. But I looked at that picture and I thought, my goodness, these people made up their mind that nothing was going to stop them from gathering with the body of Christ to worship and to praise God in the midst of devastation. My goodness, if the wind's blowing out of the wrong direction in Abilene, Texas, 50% of people won't show up for church. Allergy season hits, church attendance decreases. Because we don't feel like it. We don't feel good. If I don't feel good, I may not go. How are you feeling this morning? I don't feel too great. Somewhere along the way, we forgot that what we do here today isn't about dressing up. I like to dress up, but it's not about dressing up. It's not about hearing good riffs, which I love music, but it's not about that. What it's about is coming together in a unique format to worship God, to give Him praise, to glorify His name, to come together to say, thank you, God, for another week. Thank you, God, that we, we're doing this thing. Where we come together and we say, let's come together for the right reason and the primary purpose for which we were designed. And that is to worship Him and have a relationship with Him and thereby a relationship with one another. It's not convenient. It's funny, all of us will get up and get to work or school by 8 o'clock and have no problem with it during the week. But on a Sunday morning, cut out an hour, my gosh, we lose half the church. I'm a little tired this morning myself. My daughter gets up at what would normally be four, but was actually three. And she had a bad dream about a bug. Such a trivial thing, but that meant we didn't sleep the rest of the morning. She was crying. She was clingy. She bailed into the middle of our bed. So it meant me, Annette, Sparky, and Rachel in bed together. I got hit last night with the, a fiery sore throat. You can probably tell I'm fighting the good fight of faith on that. So I didn't feel good. So I took NyQuil. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm drowsy. <laughs> Praise God for NyQuil. I'm drowsy. I'm fighting it. And, and Annette rescues me by going into the other room and leaving me <laughs> there with Rachel. <laughs> Thank you, honey. So supportive. <laughs> She's like, I'm getting some sleep. She left. So then I get up at five, which was actually four, to do my final prep because this is something I've done for years and years and years on Sunday. I get up early. And so I'm a little tired. But let me tell you something. In fact, Annette even said, you, might, you should call Pastor Rich and have him preach. This morning, because she knew I wasn't feeling good. And I said, are you kidding me? No offense, Pastor Rich. I know you can bring the heat. But, but the thing was, God's called me to do this. This is what I get to do, what I love to do. It would have been easier to stay in bed. I could be home right now, just, just gone. Another hit of NyQuil, another six, seven hours, I'm gone. But I was like, no way am I going to miss the opportunity to gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ, my spiritual family, and be together in a unique environment 
in which God happens to show up. So I walked in the door this morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Woohoo, man, I'm on fire. I can't hardly talk, but I'm on fire. I'm excited. I go into prayer. And it's like silence of the lambs in there. It's like, ugh. I'm like, come on. What an awesome day it is. The sun's shining. It's a beautiful day. Man, spring break just started. That should make somebody happy. Call it, some of the parents are depressed or something about that. But, man, the youth are excited. But I'm like coming in and going, man, this is, what an awesome, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it, even if I don't feel good. God, I see that and I just go, wow. Wow. Next time you decide to sleep in, I hope this is burned in your brain. Because they just wanted to get there. So they did. We're going to pray for them later in the service. Inconvenient, not easily accessible or to hand, causing trouble, difficulty, or discomfort. Let me ask you a question. Are you wearing a do not disturb sign? Did you know being a disciple is inconvenient? It's going to cost you time. I wish there was a microwave version of the Word of God whereby I could pop it in, hit a 30-second button, and get a download of the book of John. But you know what? Even though the technology may be there, we don't know yet. According to Pastor Rich, things are a lot further along than we think. Being retired military, he knows stuff. He won't talk, but he knows. He told me to have to kill me if he told me, so I just don't even ask. So, but he's, there may be a day when we can, but until that day comes, did you know that I'm going to have to get the word just like the disciples got the word? And that means I'm going to have to spend time with the word to get the word and that I in order to abide in the word, the word's got to abide in me. And guess what? That will not even though I have the version app on my phone, which I absolutely love. It still doesn't get in me any faster, any quicker than it would reading this one. We've got to spend time with this word. Amen. So my question is, are you wearing a sign that says, do not disturb. I got to tell you, we live in a day that really times have changed even in my short lifetime. Now, I grew up in a culture in West Texas where there when I grew up, there were actually chairs on the front porches of houses. And my granny to this day will sit out on the porch. She's 91 years old. Some of the most precious times I've had with my granny was when I was alone, broken, and hurting, and I would drive up to her her little apartment there in Lubbock, Texas. I'd get out of my car. She'd be sitting on the porch, and I would go up there, and it was literally like a moment that I could unplug from life. And I would just sit down on those hard plastic chairs, <laughs> dirty, hard plastic chairs, and I'd just sit there with Granny. And you know what we talk about? Everything and nothing. But it was amazing. Because there for a little bit we just stop. And breathe. And as we called it, shoot the breeze. Talk about the weather. Well, it's supposed to be 75 today. Yeah, yesterday is 69. What about tomorrow? I mean, how about those, la- how about those, lady, those lady raiders? 
She's a big fan, Texas Tech Lady Basketball. Goes to some of the games still at 91. She's a bigger sports fan than I am. We'll talk about sports. She knows every stat of every team. It's unbelievable. I just try to keep up with her. But just sit and talk and unplug. It's a different day. We live today in a day. I just noticed this. I didn't even, I bought an older car. I, tr- I sold my pickup. I wanted to downsize my car. I wanted to get a four-cylinder, hallelujah, for gas. Boy, I made good timing on that one. And I got rid of my big V8 truck and got a little Toyota Camry that's older and got a few miles on it, but it gets killer gas mileage. And I got this car. And uh, I, I love it because it's, it, it's, it costs less money, it's less to operate, and, and it's, it's not much to look at, it's just, it's just a car. But yet, it's, it's, it still gets me where I need to go, and, and yet at a better price, and it's a good car. So I, I was able to get this car, I was able to get rid of this big truck, and get something that was going to work for us, something that was going to be better for us, and something that's still convenient, I still have keys, it still gets me where I want to go, not as cool as the truck, not as fast as the truck, but it gets me there. And I'm so grateful that I have that. It's just a car. The do not disturb sign is something that we wear that tells people to stay away, to not come too close. And I just noticed this on my car, that the windows are tinted. You can't even see in my car. So I can drive and nobody sees me. Nobody makes eye contact with me. We lived out in Southern California for a number of years. And whenever we would drive or whenever you just engage people, you'd be walking through a mall in Southern California in Los Angeles area. No one looks at each other. It's almost like you're in this busy place full of people, but no one engages another person. And coming from West Texas, it bothered me because I grew up where you look a man in the eye, you, you talk eye to eye, face to face. And I remember coming back from California and after having lived it out there a while, and we were, came back for Christmas vacation, we were over in Odessa visiting Annette's mom. And I remember walking through the mall, and people were actually talking to us and engaging us in conversation. It was the weirdest thing. And I remember thinking, oh, I've lost the art of talking to people because where I was, you don't disturb them. You don't mess with them. I'll tell you something I love about living in a small community like Abilene is that people still talk to each other. We were on the airplane. We had been in Nashville all week going to meetings and, and getting things set up and trying to help Dallas the best we can from Abilene, which is a little difficult, but we're doing all we can to help. We get on the plane. Now, every plane ride we took, I mean, we had to go to Dallas-Fort Worth. We had to make the change there, fly to Nashville. We are in Nashville all week, get back on airplane. It's the funniest thing. When we got on the plane to come back to Abilene, it was like it was like a romper room or something. I mean, people were talking. The guys in front of me didn't know each other, but they introduced themselves on the plane. They were laughing. They were loud. It was rowdy. We, we, it was so funny. I leaned over to Annette. I said, listen to this. Do you notice how everybody on this plane is talking to each other? But on the other planes, no one said anything. Everybody, was in there. everybody had their Kindle and their iPad out. They were doing their, I mean, they were all just locked into their phone or their laptop. 
And yet on the plane coming back to Abbott, so one of the things I love about living in a small community is a lot of people have taken the sign off. But I want to talk to you on a different level, and it really is this. It's about do you wear this sign spiritually as well? And I want to say something to you, and I said it a minute ago, but being a disciple of Jesus is inconvenient. Coming to church is inconvenient. Leading a life group is inconvenient. Being in a life group is inconvenient. You may get asked to do something. Being on a ministry of helps is inconvenient. You know, it's kind of nice, and we've had people opt out of this church because if you're here, we just put you to work, right, Roy and Terry? I mean, we just, hey, welcome, all right, you have a job. Why? Because many hands make light load, and there's something for everybody. And even though I preach the sermon, you bring the message. We all do this together. But you can go to a bigger church and hide out. You can go somewhere where you can attend church with thousands of people, sing the hippest, coolest, neatest songs with amazing bands and equipment and light show, and you can get entertained and stirred up, and then you can walk out of there feeling good about yourself and never have engaged another human being. So that's available. You can do that. You can wear this sign all day long. You can walk in and out of that place. And there's many of them around. And not ever be disturbed. Not here. Somebody might actually walk up to you and hug you. (laughs) And say they missed you. And say it's good to see you again. And he might even step all the way over the line and say, are you okay? Boy, that's really getting out there, isn't it? That's really getting up into your business. Are you okay? I asked somebody this morning. I need that water there. I asked somebody this morning. I said, how are you doing? Great. I said, how are you really doing? Uh, okay. I know. I, st- I stepped way over the line, didn't I? A lozenge. Annette used to call them lozengers. Can I have a lozenger? <clears throat> Thank you. Can you open it? Get Pastor Rich to do it. All right, thanks. Thank you. Excuse me. Did you know that every ministry scene that we see Jesus involved in was an interruption. It's like every time he had a mandate from God to go from one point to another, or they were just traveling as a group of disciples, and Jesus as a rabbi, teacher, that as they were going, there were all these interruptions. How inconvenient. I want to share a couple with you. Before I do, I want to tell you one story about a man who I caused some inconvenience to. I was in uh, high school, and I was in a small school. And being in a small school in high school, that meant you did everything. That meant you played football and you were in the marching band. You played basketball. You played tennis. You ran track. You were involved in two-a-days. You did it all. And I played every sport and then some. And then I did summer sports. So I was just always crazy, crazy busy. It was about my sophomore, maybe my junior year. 
I was not on the varsity football team. I was on JV, which meant I did get to march in the band. I played trumpet. Come on, somebody. Let's hear it for band folk. You can be cool and be in the band, I'm telling you. So, I played trumpet. So, me and my friends got this crazy idea because I was not a follower of Jesus Christ. It was on a Friday night, and I frankly didn't want to be wearing a uniform and driving from Post, Texas to Wolfer, Texas. That's out by Lubbock, Friendship, to play. So, my friends and I decided that I, I came up with this plan. I would forge a note that I would give to my band director, Mr. Stringer, letting him know in no uncertain terms that my mom said that it was okay for Jimmy to drive his car to Lubbock, to Wolferth. Okay, there's line number one. So I took a piece of paper. I tried to write like an adult, whatever that means. <laughs> Trying to write like my mom would write. And I wrote this note excusing me from riding the bus. Me and my friends went and bought two cases of Lone Star Long Necks. Filled up two ice chests, got in my 69 Chevelle Supersport. We drove over to the band hall. Is this too transparent for church? Most of y'all have done this stuff, so I don't think this is anything too outlandish. Kids, you should ask your parents about some of their escapades. What happened was... I, gave, I drive up to the band hall, give the note to Mr. To, no, I didn't give. I was too chicken. I gave it to somebody to give to Mr. Stringer. We hop in the car. Man, we're playing. We got Kiss going on the stereo all the way down. We're listening to Cheap Trick, Bad Company, Foreigner. I mean, we just got it going. We're rocking all the way. By the time we get to Wolferth, we're so drunk that we can barely stand up. It just wasn't foreign to me at the time. We get out. I throw my band uniform on, hop up in the stands. They're already going. We get up there. They're playing like that song, The Horse. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember The Horse? Who remembers The Horse? All right. Two of us from my generation. All right. It was a real popular band song. It was kind of cool. So they're playing the song. I run up there. I'm so gone. And I get up there and I sit down and it dawns on me. I didn't even get my band instrument. So I'm sitting there. I've lied. I forged a note. I'm drunk. I drove my car drunk. Endangered the lives of all my friends and anybody else on the road. And I'm sitting there and didn't even have the presence of mind to get my instrument. How many of you know I'm in a heap of trouble? All my friends were like, dude, you're going to get killed. Mr. Stringer, you're going to get kicked out of school. They're so supportive, you know, in those moments. These are the guys that rode with me. So supportive. You know, they were cheering earlier. Now it's like, oh, you're going to get it. Oh, they're going to suspend you from school. And, and I sat there and I had a sober moment in the midst of a not so sober moment. And I said, I'm going to go tell him what I did. And they're like, no, he's going to kill you. My, you know, even though... I was a mess. There were some things my parents put into me that said, you know what, there are times to do the right thing even when you've done the wrong. And I needed to own up to what I did and take responsibility. So I, walk, I get up. All my friends are practically tackling me. 
And I go down the stands, and Mr. Stringer's down there. They're leading the song, going. I said, Mr. Stringer, I need to talk to you. And he goes, hold on just a minute. We're, he's trying. I, said, I said, really, I need to talk to you now. I was really desperate. He could tell I was. He said, what? And I said, I need to talk to you. He goes, what? He's leaning over. The band's playing. It's loud. I said, I'm drunk. <laughs> and I lied about the note. I drove my car, and I don't even have my band instrument. I just told him all that, blurted it out. And he just, the look on his face was like. And so he hands the band off to our person who did that. Yeah, thank you. That one. And he says, follow me. And he marches me out behind the stands. You remember the yellow dog school buses? I still see them. They're around. We get up on an on a empty school bus. And it's just me and Mr. Stringer. It's dark. I think I'm, I'm about to get blasted. I'm about to get killed. Mr. Stringer sits down in one seat. I sit down in the other. Everything's spinning. I'm just like seeing my life flash before. I'm thinking, what's this? My mom, my dad. I mean, this is going to be ugly. And sitting there, he looks at me. He says, I need to ask you a question. I said, yes, sir. And I'm waiting to get pummeled. And he says, has anyone ever taken the time to tell you about Jesus Christ? I went, what? He said, has anyone ever told you the story of Jesus Christ? I said, well, kind of, not really. He, he said, and then he took the next 20 or so minutes and shared the gospel with me step by step of what it meant to be born again, of what it meant to repent, of what Jesus did on the cross, about how he shed his blood for my sin, the one I just committed. The lies, the drunkenness, putting people in danger. And he said, Jesus can forgive you if you'll just repent, if you'll just ask him. You know what Mr. Stringer did that day? He took this off. He so easily could have brushed me aside. He so easily could have said, you know what, I'm too busy. He's in the middle of leading the band, the game, everything. Varsity football game, but he says... He says, forget it, I'm going to take this off. He took off the sign and he shared the gospel with this drunk kid who completely messed up. Let me just say this. I didn't get born again that day, sitting on the bus that night. But I was introduced to Jesus. Like, Jesus, I'm Jimmy, I'm a mess. Jesus, I'm Jesus, I can fix your mess. And we met. I didn't embrace it as a life. I didn't give my heart to it. I... But the gospel was sown into me because one man took a moment to take off the sign. Now, my question for you is, how many times have opportunities come our way, just like, just like what I presented? How many times have opportunities come to you and me, and we had this sign on, and we were just too busy, just too tired, just too something? Because we're always just to something. And let me just say this about the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is inconvenient. It will cost you something. It costs God the son of his life, the, the life of his son. It costs Jesus his very blood. This will cost you something. It's been a few months ago where Annette and some of the ladies went to see Joyce Meyer. 
down in Houston and got to visit Chris and Casey. And, and Joyce did something very similar to this. And this is where I got the idea. I'm not the smart. And, I, and, and Annette called me on the phone that night and just briefly described this. She said she was teaching and she was talking about us wearing a do not disturb sign. And, she, and it had just rocked Annette. And it rocked me. Just hearing it over the phone rocked me. And it's rocked me every, ever since. And because of that, we've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to literally just take the sign off and say, you know what? I'm tired. I don't feel good. I really wanted to watch this show. I'm in my pajamas. I need a down day. I need some veg time. Do you know the Bible even talks about Jesus often would withdraw from the crowds to be with his father just so he'd get some downtime. Did you know that on several occasions when he was just trying to get, get across the lake, across, just to get over there on the other side so that he could just get a breather, on one occasion, thousands of people went all the way around the lake and caught him on the other side when he stepped off the boat thinking he was going to get a Sunday afternoon nap. He steps off the boat and there's 5,000 plus people waiting on him and they're hungry. So Jesus does what any executive with a daytimer or a smartphone would do. <laughs> he turns to his disciples, he goes, I better take that off. The disciples are like, what are we going to do? Jesus says, give them something to eat. What? Give them something to eat. And Jesus performs one of the most amazing miracles where thousands of people were fed in one sitting. On another occasion, Jesus, listen to this. Jesus has been ministering. He's exhausted. He's tired. And a guy comes up to him named Jairus who has a 12-year-old daughter who's about to die. And the Bible says she's literally dying. And he comes running up to Jesus and says, Master, Master, my daughter is dying. Can you come help me? Jesus, who was tired from a long day of ministry, takes off the sign and says, I will come. As he starts to go to help this, this young lady, this 12-year-old, on the way. Someone say, on the way. As he's on the way, someone in a crowd of people, a just a mob, the, the King James says they were thronging him. He, there were people all over. One lady who had an issue of blood, she was a free bleeder, literally, crawled up behind through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And he goes, whoa, who touched me? His disciples said, hey, everybody touched you. You're, be, you're being crushed. And he goes, no, no, no. Somebody touched me because I felt power. In the New Living Translation, says, I felt healing power go out from me. Healing power went out from him because somebody touched him. And you know what he did? He stopped. On his way to another ministry appointment, he got interrupted. And he took off the sign. He said, who touched me? And it says that the woman, when she could not be hidden any longer, bowed down for fear. And he said, and he said your sins are forgiven. And your faith has made you whole and made you well. Why? Because Jesus took off the sign. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about inconvenient faith, inconvenient life.
inconvenient love. Because I want you to know something. If you're serious about following Jesus, I'm not talking about Americanized, commercialized, materialistic Christianity. I'm talking about if you're serious about following Jesus Christ, the one in the Bible. Not the one who's been written and portrayed about in a lot of Christian bookstores that make you feel like you can just, just whip the world. And that's all good. I, I'm all about getting excited. But let me tell you something. There's a real world with real hurting people and real brokenness that we've got to deal with. And there are going to be days when you are telling somebody that there's hope when in fact you're crumbling. And on your worst day, you have something to give. On your worst day, you have something to give. On your worst day, because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory that's at work. And you've got to take this sign off long enough and answer your freaking phone. Instead of screening it, think, oh, it's Pastor Jimmy's going to want something. I'm not going to call you anyway. I'll text you. But text me back. It's easier, you know. It's more convenient. Let me tell you something about this church. Look around the room right now. This, is, well, this isn't fancy. This isn't a program today, by the way. So I'm not worried about protocol and how it all looks. Look around, everybody. Just look around for a moment. You know what you're seeing right here? You're not seeing a single perfect person right now. You're seeing a bunch of broken people who've assembled here to worship God. We're all messed up, but even on our worst day, we've got something to give. We've got something to give. We've got hope in us, but we've got to take off the sign. We've got to take off the sign. And we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about taking this thing off. Ever since Annette got back from that conference and, and had that conversation, Annette and I have been tested severely on this. Severely. And some of you have had need of us. And we've said, okay. And we've been at the hospital in our, in our sweats. I, I at least put on my sweats one time. I was real tempted to go in my awesome flannel pajamas, but I didn't. Because you have need of us. But let me just say something. We all have need of each other. All of us have something. But we've got to take the sign off. Here's what's funny is we wear the sign and don't even know we're wearing it. You do know it's a vibe we put off. If I was to ask anybody, how's your week? Oh, I'm tired. I'm busy. Oof, busy. Whoa. Are you really any busier than you were the week before? I'm busy. Oof. It's funny during the holidays, me and Pastor Rich joke about this all the time. Everybody's so busy all of a sudden. Oh, got parties. You got one. Got your, you got your office party. But oh, it just wrecks your whole month. Throws everything off. It's just funny how we just get in this mindset that we're so busy. Let's have the worship team come on up. So what's our response to this? Are you ready for the answer? It's not deep, but it'll mess you up. It's called Repent. Repent. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And if we're going to be kingdom people, we've got to get rid of this. And somebody else's needs might supersede mine. 
Yesterday, I had the opportunity to stay home and rest after a very long week of travel and meetings and more meetings and more meetings. And I don't do meetings well, do I, Pastor Rich? Long meetings with people. Making big decisions which make for long meetings. And all I wanted to do on Saturday was put on my flannel pajamas, turn the DVR on, and catch up on our shows. And I got a phone call on Friday night. So I put on jeans and a sweat top, and I showed up. You know why? Because I don't wear this anymore. I'm not tooting my own horn. It was actually awesome. It was a blessing. In fact, that was what was so cool about it. Once you do this, all of a sudden the things that seem like, oh, oh, I'm so entitled to rest. Oh, I'm so entitled to my time. Once you throw that sign away, it just becomes fun to help people. And I was energized. And that was like, where you been? I'm like, I'm hanging out. I'm having fun. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I know this hadn't been a fancy sermon today. I didn't throw any alliteration at you. Didn't rhyme anything. Didn't have any fancy videos today. Didn't read a lot out of the Bible today. But Jesus is here. And we all have a response to make. And my first challenge to you is this. Take off the sign that's on your life. Some of you have a sign on your life, I know, because I've encountered it. Oh, you didn't tell me you had a sign. You didn't have to. It doesn't take long in a conversation to figure out who's wearing a sign and who's not. It doesn't take long in having meetings and certain people show up all the time because they've got rid of their sign and some people don't show up at all because they're still wearing theirs. The question is, are you wearing yours? And maybe today you may be a little more aware of the possibility that you're wearing a do not disturb sign. I love you so much. I'm not here to try to make you feel real good today. I'm actually trying to challenge you to live at a higher level and to live beyond yourself for others. It will cost you some time. It will cost you some money. It may cost you some rest, but the reward, the reward, the hug around the neck, the note, the text, knowing that somebody's praying for you because you're now in their orbit, the encouragement, the fellowship. The blessing of knowing that you made a difference for somebody else's day might have just been the littlest thing. So our response today is to repent.